Thanks for tuning in. I'm Dave Barfield. And I'm Josiah Jones. And this is the Christ Community Podcast. We're so glad you joined us today. We're back after a break for the busy Holy Week season, and we're going to reflect a little more on the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we'll also talk some more about what it means to doubt our doubts and just how gracious God is when we bring our questions to Him. I think you'll enjoy it, so let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to the show. So glad that you joined us on this fine day, this Easter Tuesday, since I sometimes comment for our liturgical calendar friends. Easter is really 50 days long. This is Easter tide because Jesus coming back takes more than one day to celebrate. We need 50 days or really all of eternity. You know, Josiah, I was talking to someone um, uh, recently about how Sunday felt like a huge celebration here at Christ Community Church. It was such a shot in the arm, wasn't it? It absolutely was. In fact, Dave, um, after the service, I talked to a a young lady who's been listening and watching our service Mm -hmm. online for a few months and came for the first time. And what struck her was, she was like, wow, people are really singing and excited. Uh, And there was really a palpable sense of, a joy and celebration because of Christ conquering mm-hmm. death, hell, and the grave in the yeah. resurrection. Yeah, it was it was really incredible to be a part of it, and I'm so glad that um, people really celebrated what Jesus accomplished. And we even had some hooting and hollering going on, <laughs> which takes a bit of motivation for folks in our circles. Yeah, Presbyterian <laughs> hooting and hollering. <laughs> it was like a Colt scored a touchdown with all the excitement. Right, yeah, for real. Well, if you like that sort of thing, I'm more of a Broncos fan. But yes, no, it, it, was, it was great. And um, so let's relive that a little bit. I mean, tell me, what was... What was your favorite? What's your favorite part about the Easter season in general, or maybe even um, this last Sunday specifically? Well, Dave, I, uh, what I love about Good Friday and Easter, it brings us back to the central events mm-hmm. upon which Christianity stands mm-hmm. or falls. If Christ, Paul will say, and we'll be reading later, if Christ was not raised, then we of all people are most to be pitied. Mm-hmm. Might as well pack up. But Christ was raised. And so what that means is that all of God's promises are true and they will be fulfilled. So no matter how gloomy things may look at the time, look at Good Friday, it could not be gloomier. It could not be Mm -hmm. darker. It could not look like all the hopes of God's people were – um, were could possibly come to pass. Mm -hmm. And yet Easter – says the resurrection of Jesus says that even at the darkest hour Christ was actually conquering and Easter resurrection the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead was the vindication of God and of all his promises of Christ that he was who he claimed to be and that he will fulfill all of his promises it's the beginning of the new creation mm-hmm. it's the the what gives us the certainty that all of God's promises will um, be fulfilled 
that Christ has triumphed, and we in Christ do as well, whatever is happening in our lives. Yeah, for real. And that, that heaviness that hangs over from Good Friday into Sunday makes Sunday even better, right? I mean, yes. you know, we sang in the service um, Sunday morning the song, Death Was Arrested. And I, I love that phrase because it death stopped, right? I mean, it was the, the, the darkness that hung from Friday into Sunday. Okay, you can go this far, death, but no further, yes. and it's over, because Jesus now stopped you. <laughs> he triumphed over you, and yeah. that's, I think, for me, one of my favorite parts about the Easter season is just that that singing about and, and shouting about, celebrating uh, just Jesus triumphing over death. I mean, that's one of, as you said, it's one of the essential things, the without which nothing of Christianity. If we don't have the resurrection, then there's no real Christian faith, but... One of, the, one of the most amazing things is that no other religion can hold a match to the resurrection. I mean, there's no um, uh, way of life, there's no, uh, well, other religion that has any tenet that is so amazing and so powerful as the resurrection. I mean, the resurrection just changes everything. Absolutely. And that's why it's a, a crucial, essential part of the gospel, and it's also why it's often the truth that is under assault uh, by the world mm-hmm. but also sometimes with within the church where people uh, uh, seek to explain uh, alternatively or to spiritualize um, the resurrection or, or um, because it is uh, it is the central uh, reality that upon which everything hangs in the Christian um, faith. Right, and even the authorities of the day were trying to convince Pilate to give them another guard or a guard, yeah. lest this uh, fraud be worse than the first, right? I mean, yes. from day one everyone's been trying to explain this away um, but we know that um, there are inexplicable things, right? There's there are legitimate historical personal testimonies, there's the theological fulfillment, or pro- prophetical fulfillment there's a theological meaning, I mean you can't just write these things off and uh, in kind of a tongue-in-cheek way, the quote-unquote fraud, it was greater than the first because <laughs> this is a great thing, and it's, it's, it can't be matched um, in any other religion, and it's not a fraud. It's the truth. Absolutely. And that's the big point that Paul makes in 1 Corinthians 15 is this is true. If, if it isn't, then you might as well pack up that nothing else of Christianity mm-hmm. um, matters. The moral guides or no, the historical facts, things. No, nothing matters. If if Christ was not, in fact, raised, then at best he was a, a, a martyr mm-hmm. and, and a poor victim uh, and not the, the Savior of the world, uh, the one who's done what no one else could do, um, who's lived the perfect life that all of us, the most... Uh, Moral people, the heroes um, uh, of of faith, have failed to do. Mm-hmm. They've all died because um, all suffered from the same uh, disease of sin, and only Christ, uh, who was without sin, um, lived the life that we failed to live and died the death that we were condemned to die. And the resurrection is vindication. That's exactly who he is, the Son of God, and what he's done. And so he and he alone offers uh, the forgiveness we need and the life 
mm-hmm. uh, that we were um, made to have but forfeited through our sin. Yeah, and I love how you mentioned the new creation. I mean, he's he's the start of the new creation, and that kind of points us to the end of the new creation, which is the consummation of all things and the, the, the full expression of the kingdom. But that is brought about through Jesus making these other uh, new creations, these little new creations, yes. you and me and the people around us, and that you know it started small in Jerusalem, but this new creation is ex- is expanding. It's going out. So yes, there is a re- renewal at the end of all things, but it's taking place now. While while all of creation is waiting for these little new creations to be finished, yes. right for all these uh, for all the co heirs with Christ to be brought in. God, God is making these new creations, and that's what's so exciting because it's it's a little taste of what it's going to be. You know, we, there's this, the, the resurrection, the first the first fruits, right? Yes. Of the new creation, and then we know this new creation is coming, but we get to see this in our own lives, and with and when we see people come to faith, these all, these new creations taking place as well. Yes, it, it flows from the resurrection, mm-hmm. doesn't it? So um, Peter will say he has caused us to be born again. So there's a new life, new right. creation. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Mm-hmm. That he's the the first uh, uh, born of all creation, the first fruits, and we are our uh, our new life are are an overflow of mm-hmm. of his of the new creation that he has secured through his resurrection. Yeah. So I mean, the resurrection just has incredible personal implications so let's go there a little bit and that's kind of what you talked about on sunday um these these personal implications of the resurrection in particular doubting the resurrection doubting whether the truth of scripture is true or not um and many people don't believe in the resurrection i mean as we just talked about there are people that um of course write it off completely or say that we can't even know Dave, that's what I I love about Matthew's account, because he, side by side, as mentioned on Sunday, shows that there were two people, two different groups of people who had doubts, but they Mm -hmm. handled them very differently. Um, There were the... uh, the Jewish um, leaders who who had heard uh, things that didn't fit into their uh, beliefs about the world and about the Messiah and so on. They had heard uh, the, the testimony from soldiers about empty tomb and and what the soldiers themselves had seen. But instead of uh, investigating and seeking to see... Uh, uh, um, Instead, they it didn't fit what they believed their narrative, and so they closed themselves off to even really um, investigating, Mm -hmm. and they sought to to cover it up. And so I I had said that uh, um, at at first hear something or read something like that and think, why would people really do that? And yet the reality is that if we want to disbelieve something because we see the implications that we do not like about Christ's mm-hmm. lordship, which was massive for the religious leaders. Um, we can find reasons to disbelieve because there are lots of questions that we don't have answers to. Mm. Um, uh, but on the other hand, Matthew gives us um, a picture of of disciples who who 
had compelling, saw compelling evidence for Jesus being raised. I mean, he's right before them. They ate with him. They touched with him. And yet they still had doubts because they still had unanswered questions. But instead of letting their their doubts lead them to dismiss the resurrection, they used the resurrection to... Uh, to doubt their doubts, to say, mm-hmm. if in fact he was raised, then uh, um, th- there is an answer. I may not have it right now, and I may not, in fact, have the answers to many of my questions in this life. But if Christ, in fact, was raised, then I can trust him with the things, with the questions that are unanswered for me. Mm-hmm. This is where I, I mentioned uh, J.D. Greer. It's one mm-hmm. of my favorite definitions of faith. Faith is when the uh, the unexplainable meets the undeniable. Mm-hmm. The unexplainable meets the undeniable. The undeniable being the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. The unexplainable, the questions that have that have not been answered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it, kind of what you're getting at is there, there are two ways to approach god through doubt there's the inquisitive there's the help you know help me or um i want to believe or i don't quite understand this or there's the chip on the shoulder doubt there's the there's no way this is true you unless you prove it in my terms or uh, do what i say then i'm not going to believe right so there's kind of a a two um a fork in the road we can either take this um uh, I believe help my unbelief, or I'm not going to believe no matter what you tell me. So it's automatically not true. Those are those are kind of the two paths that we can take, right? I mean, it seems like um, well, that's been the path of history. I mean, there's David Hume who's, who said there are no miracles, so there can't be any miracles, right? Right. So write it off ahead right. of time, or um, there are those throughout the pages of scripture that are that say, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And in some ways, it's there. There's a question: Will we be honest about our skepticism? Mm-hmm. Will we be skeptical about our skepticism? Mm-hmm. Will we recognize that we're not? We don't come to this neutral, neutrally. Mm-hmm. That there, all of us want to be in charge of our lives. Mm-hmm. All of us, we have, we have reasons. Um, why we might not want Jesus to be Lord and who He says He is, and and have assumptions that we that are faith assumptions. Whether it's about uh, whether it's the assumption if I don't understand this, there can't be an mm-hmm. explanation. If I don't see the reasons for why there is the evil in the world or in my life, then there must not be. Um, those are things that really, Mm -hmm. is that true? Think about all the things, how limited our knowledge is that, that if there were, we're assuming absolute knowledge. If we take that position. So, so recognize it takes some honest recognition that we have, uh, we're not neutral Mm -hmm. and we have, um, we have reasons we ought to be skeptical of our skepticism, mm-hmm. in other words. And often, though, that takes the, uh, the um, I'm trying to think of the right word, it takes the form of a modest unbelief, like agnosticism. Like, I'm not going to say there isn't a God or that the resurrection didn't happen. I'm just going to say that we can't really know that it happened. 
<laughs> but that's not really that modest at all because yeah. it's just saying – it's just pushing the certainty back and saying, like, I have certainty that we can't have certainty, right? So yeah. it's just pushing it back a level, and it's not any any more uh, chastened or any more humble. It's just a, a different kind of, of uh, certainty. Yeah, right. like the Christian philosopher John Frame um, points out that people functionally don't act like they're, they're not sure – uh, because they don't – they live as though they're certain that right. there isn't, um, and yet, because he points out, they don't spend, well, th- th- I'm not certain, then it could be. Let me really investigate. Yeah, yeah. Let me really take this serious. Um, so – Yeah, the, it's kind of a, a license to do what I want. Like, I'm not certain, so I'll do what I want instead almost, of taking Pascal's wager. Right? Yes. Almost – Frame, I think, talks about it. It's almost like a lazy – skepticism mm. yeah you know I, I, it's interesting that we're, we're talking about this people that doubt um and i'm thinking particularly in the pages of scripture and i love going through the pages of scripture and looking at how god deals with people that doubt and it, this isn't unheard of it's not like you know um uh, if you or i experience doubts which i'm certain we all do um it's not like it's unheard of or, or it's unusual but that's taking place in the pages of Scripture. I mean, Abraham questioned God, and God gave him a sign. And and to some extent, we celebrate that sign to this day. And Thomas, after the resurrection, said, unless I uh, you know, stick my fingers in his, uh, in his hands and put my hand in his side, I'm not going to believe. There were doubts, and God dealt graciously with them. But then there are other times when God didn't deal so graciously with people that didn't believe. And I mean, you think of how... Jesus dealt with the Pharisees. Um, you know, they didn't believe, and they questioned him. Like, how does he have this authority? And Jesus was, you know, called them a brood of vipers and was really harsh with them. So why do you think that is? Why are there some that experience a gracious hand of God in doubt, and there are some that really experience God's wrath when they doubt? Yeah, that's a really good question. So let me just take one step back and then point to two things. So sure. So our basic mode, and so I want to, even as I talk about doubting doubts, being skeptical Mm -hmm. of our skepticism, um, the writer um, uh, Jude does uh, call us to be merciful to those who doubt because Mm -hmm. God is. uh, Mm -hmm. um, He is merciful. He does condescend. He does bend over backwards, uh, uh, dealing graciously and gently. But you do have examples in Scripture where um, God sa- it's as though God says um, enough is enough, and he uh, uh, displays judgment and even like a kind of hardening, um, uh, a judicial hardening of, mm-hmm. of unbelief. So I think um, one of the main issues is that there is a difference between Someone who says, "I believe, but I don't understand this. How can this be?" And and you see um, that, like the difference uh, um, with examples of that, like with Abraham, um, or with the religious leaders, where there is the questions that they ask are not help me understand, but seeking to lay a trap uh, for Christ. Mm. In John chapter 9, Jesus says something that's striking. We have an example of a miracle that Jesus has just performed. 
and the religious religious leaders in the face of that um, were bent and determined to interpret uh, that miracle uh, away. In fact, they are forcefully putting pressure on the person who had been healed mm-hmm. uh, and on his family. And so Jesus ends up talking about um, spiritual blindness uh, to them and guilt for blindness. So in, in John chapter 9, uh, verse 38, Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. And some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt uh, remains. They actually had a, a, enough sight that they could have seen, but there's a mm-hmm. willful blindness. There's a willful turning mm-hmm. away from the truth while claiming to see. And Jesus says, uh, because you claim to see and you will reject, you've rejected the light that's been given to you persistently, your guilt remains. Hmm. Um, So I think there is a fundamental difference. There is a difference between saying, Lord, uh, I, I, this, I don't see how this makes sense, and uh, um, and God being merciful and gracious, and a person actually having sight to see and a willful turning from that persistently. Um, I think it's the second thing is to recognize there is the mystery of God's um, sovereignty, even here that Jesus. Uh, addresses that God does have a purpose mm-hmm. um, in uh, his sovereignty for uh, giving people over to the hardness of their hearts mm. um, at times. And it is, a, it is a truth that Scripture teaches, and it is a, uh, it is a fearful thing. Uh, um, it, and it's a reminder that God is not to be trifled with. It's a reminder not... Um, to uh, it should lead us to not assume. Well, I can play games with mm. uh, with truth, uh, um, and and just assume that you know later deal with that. You don't know that mm. your heart. Um, the, our hearts can be hardened by the deceitfulness mm-hmm. of of sin, and so it's a reminder to. Um, to take seriously the uh, the light that has been given, and rather than uh, um, rather than push it away to serve our own purposes, to humbly step toward the light and say to Christ, uh, "Help me see. Help me see what I don't understand." Yeah, that's one of those warnings that is part of the uh, perseverance, right? I mean, the warnings help us. Yeah, go to God. The, theo- the theological truth of God's sovereignty makes us run to Him instead of running away from Him. Right? Yes. Instead of hardening and and going down this path of of skepticism, we can question the skepticism and run to Him because He's gracious and He does have a heartbeat of respo- of uh, grace and uh, gentleness. Right? I think His heartbeat is love. His um, and that's a, another rabbit trail. We. Go go down, but I think God's leading characteristic, 
in my personal opinion, is is of mercy and grace. And, of course, there's the wrath and justice. But um, I think when sinners run to him, he has mercy. I mean, God is long-suffering, and he's patient, and he's slow to wrath, right? I mean, these yes. are things we read through all Scripture. Jesus says, no one who comes to me will I cast right. out. exactly. Lord, I don't understand. How can this be? He is not hard. Yeah. He is not. What is your problem? Yeah. He's merciful. The reason why uh, Jude says, be merciful to those who doubt is, A, he was one, mm. uh, no doubt, to whom Christ has expressed his mercy right. and tenderness. So run to him with your doubts. Yeah. Uh, doubt, again, that picture that uh, Spurgeon gives is a foot poised. Um, and it can either take a mm. step back in unbelief. I don't understand this. And if you don't explain to me, if you don't show me, then I can't accept you. That um, that That is uh, – or it, it's a foot poised to take a step forward and say, I am going – to ask questions. I am going to wrestle with this doubt, but I'm going to do it in light mm -hmm. of what Christ has demonstrated to be true uh, and amidst my uh, questions. I'm going to do that, uh, asking, Lord, help me to see, help me uh, to trust you in the midst of the questions that I that remain unanswered. It's a different... Yeah. It is, and, and God isn't scared of our doubts and questions. He's oh. not. He knows about them anyway. And yes, he, you know, I mean, all throughout the scripture, especially in the Psalms, and that's one reason I love the Psalms is that there's uh, the psalmist is questioning a lot of things. And if we were to rephrase those into modern day language, they would almost look like someone that was a skeptic or didn't believe or would be disrespectful or something. Yes, um, but God deals gently with those people, <laughs> with us, right? If yes. we, when we run to Him with our doubts and our questions. Because we don't understand everything. It shows our humility. It is a posture of humility because it's showing that, look, I'm not a member of the Trinity. I don't know what's going on here, <laughs> but I need some help. And I think that's the posture that God loves to show mercy to. Absolutely. And and let me j just say this. Dave, I was recently listening to a, a message um, from Tim Keller and in which he talks about the importance, let's say, for some who maybe have doubts, but ah, no, I know. Don't really wrestle with them when the foot stepped up. There are two reasons why Christians should take seriously their doubts, be honest with the Lord, um, and and uh, look at our uh, look at our doubts, and that take that step forward. Um, the first is um, for the sake of of our family and friends who are struggling with doubts. If we don't wrestle with them, it's harder for us to help uh, walk with them through um, uh, their doubts, to, to model that. But secondly, um, they're, they're, you know, if, if right now just kind of ignore the questions I have and don't see those as an opportunity to take a step forward, uh, there often are times in life then when you when you experience uh, um, hardships or difficulties, and then suddenly you haven't really wrestled and dealt with those uh, those doubts, and then suddenly you're you're hurting and you're not in a, pl a good place um, really uh, to wrestle with those. So it's even for your own sake. 
this is why it's important to be honest with the Lord, uh, be honest about the questions that we have, and to to rem- doubt is that foot poised and take a step forward. Okay, Lord, I am going to trust you with the things that I don't ask, but I am going to wrestle honestly um, with these uh, with these things. I am going to seek. Um, uh, uh, I am going to seek help and counsel and 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 um, deal deal honestly with my questions. I agree, and I think that the gospel gives us that safety because Jesus went through the darkness of Good Friday. Uh, uh, he's not going to aban- abandon us in our own darkness, no matter what it is, right? I mean, he went through the worst darkness, so that when we have the doubt of darkness or the darkness of doubt rather um it's okay because jesus went through this and he came out the other side there was a resurrection and now he invites us to bring um our doubts our questions our struggles to him i was you mentioned tim keller that was actually a tim keller thing he wrote or said um if jesus didn't uh, abandon the darkness during his darkest hour he's not going to abandon our own darkness right and i think that that's um the heart of the gospel, we can come to him with all of these things, our sin, our doubts, whatever. And he's not afraid of it because he went through the cross and he paid for it and he rose again triumphantly. That's awesome news. We want to spend a few minutes meditating on God's Word. Over and over again throughout Scripture, we find the need to hide God's Word in our hearts and meditate it day and night and use it as the foundation for our lives. So that means that we need to be saturated with it. So Josiah, what passage are we going to spend time in today? Dave, we're going to look at a passage that we referred to a couple mm-hmm. times um, this uh, afternoon uh, one of the great resurrection texts, 1 Corinthians 15. Here is God's word. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the first fruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For God has put all things in subjection under his feet. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Josiah, what stands out to you today from that text, that beautiful resurrection text? Well, Dave, it's themes that we've talked about. Everything Mm -hmm. hinges on uh, whether or not Christ was raised. Mm. And you notice Paul 
as soon as he states that says, but Christ was raised. Mm -hmm. (laughs) In other words, everything hinges on this. And guess what? God, this didn't happen. God hasn't left us without reason to believe this happened. Mm -hmm. The Apostle Paul had been uh, a a, a central critic of the Christian faith until he he doubted. He doubted. (laughs) He didn't believe. He doubted until... Uh, he was overwhelmed by the reality mm-hmm. of um, the evidence of the risen Christ, a personal encounter with the risen Christ. And so um, it's good that everything hinges on the resurrection because the resurrection happened. Mm-hmm. And because Christ was raised, all of God's promises will be fulfilled. We are not to be pitied, therefore, but to be grateful, mm-hmm. uh, to be hopeful, to be joyful. We have every reason for that because Christ was raised. Amen. Praise God. As we close, we want to spend a few moments praying for us. And as we've been doing, we've been going a little bit long. So, Josiah, why don't you just close us in prayer for today? Gladly, Dave. Let's pray. Oh, Father, thank you that you are merciful um, to those who doubt. Um, I pray that your mercy would lead us to uh, deal honestly uh, with our doubts, uh, that it would be that foot poised that would lead us to take a step forward, that we would wrestle with the questions we have, wrestle um, with doubts, and that you would, through that, lead us to see more of the truth of the gospel, the reasons you have given us to trust you, even uh, with our unanswered questions, that uh, our faith would grow as the unexplainable meets the undeniable And Father, I pray that you would uh, lead us as we deal honestly with our questions of doubt to be merciful uh, toward um, those uh, who doubt um, with humility, with grace. Lord, I know in in my own heart um, uh, that I need to ask you to forgive me for the times when I I am not um, merciful toward uh, those who doubt the way that you have been toward me. So as you have been to us, let us uh, be uh, toward others. Um, Lord, would you enable us to be a people who would hold firmly and fast to the truth with confidence as we ought, uh, and yet be merciful toward those who doubt as you have been. And I pray that you, whatever the situations that we're in, however dark and gloomy, that we would see because Christ was raised, we are not to be pitied, but Mm -hmm. to be grateful, but to be hopeful for you have triumphed and we in you will triumph. And so, Lord, even in the midst of sorrows, to be joyful because Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. If you've enjoyed today's show, if you found it helpful, we invite you to share it with family and friends. To learn more about our church, visit us online at ChristCommunityCarmel.org. And if you're in the Indianapolis area, we'd love to have you visit us on a Sunday morning. And join us again next week for the Christ Community Podcast. Until then, the peace of Christ be with you. And also with you. Amen. And God bless.